When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. And he takes the snap. Back to throw. Under pressure. Avoids the rush. And he's going to fight out of it. Still fights out of it. Now throws it deep downfield. Wide open Tyree. Who makes the pass. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. One hour down, four hours left on our midnight ride to 5 a.m. 877-337-6666. Obviously, the, the first topic here on the show is the New York Yankees as they had finally, for the first time, met the media. And Hal Steinbrenner gave you absolutely nothing, and then Cashman just laid into you. I hope you liked it. It was fun. We enjoyed watching it. At least that, at least it was entertaining. But you know, the owner in particular. Just to get to the owner, because we focused on cash a little bit there. Like the owner has said two things of change. Like here's the main problem with the owner. I and I just think he's bad at the PR. I mean, we'll see. You would have liked to have seen him been more willing to say, "Yeah, we'll spend money." We realized this year we need to spend money to get you know, and we'll spend money. Like he didn't go that far. He still talks about the idea of you don't need a $300 million payroll to win a World Series, which doesn't mean he won't exceed it. He's just saying, overall, like, I shouldn't, it, it, that's not a requirement to win when no other team has spent $300 million and won. So there's no need. It's not like you need it, but this team may. Like, each, each situation is unique. This Yankee team may need a payroll of $300 million if they want to win, considering some of the dead wood that they're carrying. But really, since the Yankee season ended, since the Yankee season ended, the worst season since the early 90s, the owner has pointed out two separate things that are going to change. Two. About a month ago, he said that the they are redoing the dining area inside the clubhouse and that they are adding sleep rooms or areas for the players to nap. It's one. And two, Aaron Boone has suggested that they need to bunt more and that they are going to work on bunting inside the organization. They just had the worst season they've had in forever. I mean, for many Yankee fans' lifetimes. It's a generation since they've had a year like last year. And we are a month removed from it. They're at the GM meetings. Free agency has begun on building the 2024 New York Yankees. And the two things that are going to change from that horrendous year are they're going to improve the eating of the players and improve the sleeping of the players at the at the ballpark. And they're going to institute bunting drills throughout the minor league system. That is the absolute worst job of communicating with your fans that you could possibly do. I mean, it's just a horrendous job. This fan base is dying for change. And this offense is so bad. I mean, you are talking about the second worst offense in baseball behind the Oakland A's. That's it. That's the only offense you could point to that was worse. You can find a stat here, a stat there, whatever. But for the most part, overall, the only offense worse in all of baseball was the Oakland A's. And you're and the one offensive 
specific you're willing to get into after claiming an audit, after claiming being unhappy, after claiming about having meeting after meeting after meeting of being honest with each other and being, you know, you know, with with that with being respectful, of course, while being respectful, being critical of each other, like having real heart to heart, check your ego at the door, let's be honest with ourselves kind of meetings, and you come out with one offensive specific and that's bunting throughout the organization. Like, that's just asinine. He thought he had some sort of victory there. He doesn't want to get into specifics, and that's the one he gives you. I wish he would have just shut up and not given any specifics as opposed to just the bunting. But more than that, just there's not going to be any change, and you can't claim. Like, this is what you can't tell me. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. You can't pull that bit. You can't tell me, oh, big changes are going to happen. Big changes. I mean, you might not view them as big. That means not big. Like, don't be don't be silly. Don't don't try and lie to us and tell us. Listen, even though you might not perceive them as big changes, it's really big changes. Like, we are completely changing. We are going with. We are getting rid of the two ply in the bathroom to really make these players uncomfortable. That's a big change. I mean, I really think that's we are. You know. You, you can't do that, man. We're changing the group and company we pay to, to lace our gloves. We were really having a problem with lace gloves. Like, what are you talking about that you're going to make changes but perceive small ones? Like, inside the analytical department that we won't care about? Guess what? We want to hear that stuff. Believe it or not, the fan base wants to hear that you're going to focus less on this and more on that. Like, give a couple specifics. Like, you sound like you know what you're talking about. Instead of talking about bunting and not necessarily being willing to spend all this money. Like, that's that's it. A couple of comments that made you feel like he understands their, the fan base is mad and he's pissed off as well. But ultimately, he gave you nothing in that press conference a month in the waiting. And then Cashman yelled at you. Like And, and listen, I've been yelling at you for months here on the station. I think the Yankee fans deserve to get yelled at a little bit. I, can't, I honestly do. But... Brian Cashman can't do it after he's been a colossal failure for three years. Like, it's just amazing. They had one hell of a day, the Yankees. Bob in Long Island. What's up, Bob? Bob, hey, you there? What's up, Chris? What's yeah, up? What's up, Chris? Man. Um, first of all, I think Brian Cashman listens to talk radio. He might be listening now. He loves it. But um, but he had to do a little bit of the Humphrey Bogart routine, the tough guy, Clint Eastwood routine. He had to stir something up, but... Um, I, you know, some. I just look at this team, and I, I don't see a very good team. And but the thing is, but, but before I elaborate on that, Howard Cosell was called Howard the Shill. You know that, right? So you're in big company. There you go. Sounds great. From humongous company. Who is he a shill for? Uh, Muhammad Ali. Well, well, he he was trying to say it was like he's a shill, right, for boxing, right, and then. In the end, he doesn't like boxing and stuff. Dick Young put that tag on him. The great uh, sports writer wrote that about. Him. Okay. But Dick Young also went. Dick Young also went after Tom Seaver just before the trade in '77. Uh, but the thing is, um, with the Yankee team, I, I really don't see a, a really good team here. I, I do not see it. I yeah. see a lot of players come and go. That's the sign of a bad team. Steinbrenner does have money to spend. But he can't spend the way he is. Exhibit A in 2009, 2008, 
I'll never forget, Hank Steinbrenner said, yep. wait till next year. Remember we'll that? We'll win it all, and yep. Three, right, and three free agents that he signed today, you couldn't even get one star free agent for all that money that they put up there. So it's a, it's a problem with drafting players, developing players, signing players. Listen, if he signed the last year, he went for a ton of bucks. He didn't want to go for that money. He really showed his hand early in the year with um, – with uh, with judge giving him wanted to pay him one hundred and forty million dollars or something, you know you can't do that. He's one of the top players in the league. You got to come in at the top with money that the top guys. No, they, yeah, they team. offered him two hundred plus million dollars. I had no I had no problem with the contract they offered Judge to start the year before he, his free agent year. Well, right, but the, the he hadn't is, proven he could stay um, healthy. Right, well, a lot of players get injured, but still, it's more than one player in baseball. They can they can pitch around him. I thought the best thing Steinbrenner could have done is when he hit the 61st home run, just how buys the baseball and gives it to Judge. I think that would have solved all the Yankee problems. What does anybody think about that? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't think it would have – I don't think uh, Judge would have taken it as some sort of really amazing gesture and then signed a lesser contract. And why would that solve any problems? All that would have done is maybe make the negotiations a little easier with the Yankees, I suppose – but ultimately, he signed with the Yankees, like, and that's a whole like that's another thing too. Like Cashman gets blamed for you know all that stuff too. Like I have no problem how he handled the judge situation, other than pissing him off by leaking the numbers necessarily. But I had no problem with the contract they offered him. None. At the time, I thought it was a fair contract. I think most people did. That's why the Yankees went publicly with it because they knew perception would be, hey, that's a fair contract. It was a fair contract. I don't think that was lowballing him at all. He was a player coming off injury-prone seasons. Like He missed time in almost every year prior. He hadn't hit 50 home runs again after his rookie season. He missed a ton of time. And they offered him a big-time contract to eat up, you know, his uh, a year of, of eligibility where he could have... What if he didn't perform well? We would have been killing him for signing. What if he got hurt? What if this year happened last year? What if Judge would have ran into that wall in 2022, and the Yankees had already given him $230 million or, or ponied up and gave him the $300 he wanted. What if the Yankees gave him $300 million and then he ran into the wall? We'd be killing Cashman for giving an injury-prone player $300 million. Killing him. Killing him. Like they're killing him now for Rodon. That's, that's how it works. We praise it when it happens. We all wanted him. Cheap Cashman and cheap how they're not going to give him that extra year to bring him here. Go get Rodon. Go give him the extra year. Who cares? Now he's hurt the entire year. What a moron. Can you believe they gave Rodon that money? That's how it works. But, I mean, I had no problem with the way he handled Cashman. Uh, Cashman handled Judge. None. They offered him a fair contract. He was well within his rights to turn it down and go prove himself, which he did, and then they had to pay him. That's how, you know, that's how it works. Obviously, looking back on a height sign being 2020, if you offered him 280 and he took it, or 290 or 300 and he took it, it would have saved you 50, 60 million bucks. But if he gets hurt this year, it would have been looked at as if it cost him 200 million dollars. That's how it played out. He earned the money, he went out and got it. And then the idea that he had to call that that, that Cashman didn't sign that deal, those are those are ownership deals, man. Those are ownership deals. 
Cat, that, that you go right to when 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 start, when uh, when A Rod opted out after two thousand and seven. Who made that? Who signed that next contract with him? Was it Cashman or Steinbrenner? Cashman didn't want him after he opted out. Didn't want to sign the contract with Alex. That was a Steinbrenner move. When you bring in franchise players like that that you pay $350 million to, that is not just a general manager decision. That's a Hal Steinbrenner decision. Alex Rodriguez was a Hal Steinbrenner decision. Right? Lindor, Lindor had dinner with Steve Cohen before they signed him, right? Bryce Harper got signed by the ownership group for Philadelphia, right? Those kind of decisions are not made by your general manager. That's an ownership decision to go to go deal with Hal Steinbrenner. I mean, to go deal with Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge wanted to deal with Hal Steinbrenner because he wants assurances from the owner about spending money. And now... He's the captain of the team, and you're going to listen to him when he talks about what's on, going on with the team, just like they'll trust Cole. And the reason you hear so much about that relationship is because he knows you're pissed off, and he's giving you a name you love. It's play, It's really not that hard to figure out. Oh, yeah, no, me and Judge talk all the time. You know why? Because you love Judge. That's why. I'm not saying he doesn't talk to Judge all the time or that it's lies or speculation, but or you know, but he's saying it. Because he thinks that will help him with you. He also thought bunting would help him with you. He's an idiot sometimes, and sometimes he's right. But he's not going to tell you, hey, me and, me and Cashman are on the phone all night. The fan base is going to go, what the hell are you talking to Cashman for? He's an idiot. You should fire Cashman. You should be up all night figuring out who's going to replace Brian Cashman, not talking to him. But if he's sitting around talking to Aaron Judge, well, well. I mean, Judge knows what's going on. Judge is very smart. Judge is very perceptive. Judge will pick up, and Judge knows what this team needs, except when it comes to manager because he wants Boone. He's an idiot. when he, he has no idea how to pick a manager. Don't let him pick the manager. God, no. God, no. Because, I mean, it's not fair for players to make that decision. On analytics and things like players are very familiar with, sure. Yeah. I mean, the guy leading the team in the clubhouse, working with the players day in and day out, don't trust the player's word. But when it comes to analytics and uh, you know numbers we should be looking at and everything else, yeah, sure, Judge is, Judge is the perfect guy to talk to. But not the leader in the clubhouse. No, don't, don't ask his opinion on that one. That should be judged just based on wins and losses, which is what this all is based on. This whole thing is based on wins and losses. And right now the Yankees have had too many losses. And last year they didn't even make the playoffs. And it was, the, it was a horrendous year. And for, for Cashman to continue to talk this way and say some of the things he said, although, like, you know, I agree with some of the things he said, and we'll play some of the clips going through the show. But, like, some of it's just, like, to go on, like, again, the Gallo trade, right? Just eat it, Brian. It was a terrible trade. Do I understand his point? Yes. I'm sorry, I do. If you think it's unfair of Brian Cashman to say this specific sentence, we're going for a World Series. We're chasing a ring. We desperately needed a left-handed power bat. He was the one I could get. So I got him. I think that's a fair... I think that's... Comp- what should the Yankees do? Not get him? And go into the season without? And go into the playoffs or hope to make the playoffs without left-handed hitting power? 
Just say, hey, I know we need it desperately, and this guy's a two-time All-Star and Gold Glove winner and is on pace to hit 50 home runs this year, which is what he was on the pace for before he came to the Yankees. I know he's on pace to hit 45, 50 home runs. He's an All-Star this year, and you know he's been a two-time All-Star in his career, and he's absolutely smashing it right now in Texas. But you know what? He strikes out too much. I don't want to. I don't want to take the chance that it's a bomb here. So I'm just gonna. I'm gonna sit back. I'm not gonna go get a left. I'm not. You know. I'm. I'll get Rizzo, and that'll be good enough. I'm not gonna go try and really bolster this thing to go and chase championships with Joey Gallo in fear that if it doesn't work out, I'll be called an idiot. I should let me. Let me just make sure. I. 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 I have my own. I. I protect my own ass and make sure I don't make a move that will make me look stupid. Let's do that. No. You go out and you get the guy and you hope it works because you are chasing championships. It doesn't mean it's a good trade. It's a bad trade. But I do understand his point a little bit. And if he wasn't doing it while he was breathing fire, maybe some of you would understand it. But nobody wants to hear it. Nobody wants to hear it. Nobody wants to hear that he got he got that two playoff teams have picked him up since, which makes no sense. Or nobody wants to hear that Sonny Gray has been good elsewhere. You know what? When you when you say hey what do you want uh, you mocked the Sunny Gray trade oh my God you mocked the Sunny Gray trade look at him he was an ace before we got him he's been a, he's in the he's in the Cy Young he's one of the three Cy Young finalists this year like how do you knock that trade he doesn't realize the answer to that is well why the hell didn't it work with you Brian like why were you unable to unearth a Cy Young candidate out of him well it's a, you know it's impossible to know who works in New York it's it's a back and forth. He can't win, and today he came out with scorched earth. And the only way to win it is to go out there and win. So let's go get Juan Soto. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit of Jets and talk a little bit of this coach and this quarterback and how they do moving forward against this Raider team that has everybody a buzz. Antonio Pierce is having uh, practice squad guys on the sidelines. They're, they're unbelievable in, in Vegas right now. So it's going to be a tough hill to climb to go take on those Vegas Raiders. The Jets will try with a terrible quarterback under center. When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan. Well, in the end, it's the Knicks at land Carmelo Anthony from Denver. And Amari Stoudemire happy that he's on hand. Stoudemire addressing the media today says the team will be hard to guard now, likes the idea of having that one-two punch. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. All right, so hot off the heels of getting embarrassed on Monday Night Football by the Chargers and having no offense to speak of and having their quarterback just completely, and this offense, completely drag them to the bottom of the ocean, really. I mean, and it's it's frustrating because the, the defense is kicking and screaming while they're dragging them. But, I mean, you know how good this team could be. And what you could expect from this team if you just had competent quarterback play. And while there is some level of offensive line didn't play particularly well, and you know Lazard and some of the other options besides Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall have not really done anything for this team. You watch the games. And I'm sorry, but we all know I went on about it for the entire show yesterday morning. The quarterback stinks. And so, I mean, there's just no other way to put it. The quarterback is not very good. He takes bad sacks. He misses throws. He puts the ball in jeopardy. He's fumbled eight times in the last five games. 
He has no feel of the po- I understand the offensive line didn't play well. He has no feel of pressure. He has no pocket awareness at all. He misses throws. The first throw of the game he airmailed. Like it, it, it started early and often. And the only thing we can focus on, like, you know, is that occasionally he'll step into one and rip a ball up the seam or something, and you go, wow, what a throw. Great. He continually is the main reason that this team that is defensively as good as any in the NFL looks hopeless at times because of the quarterback. And so naturally the head coach is asked about it today when he speaks to the media. And again, well, no. We're not gonna we're not interested in a quarterback change. It would be one thing if it were just the quarterback. But there's so many issues. I mean, so many issues. Really, just uh, you know, it's not just him. It's the penalties. It's the offensive line. It's the play calling. That's the other thing. You know, Hackett's being uh, under fire for his play calling, and it's well, those are the two most obvious things. You know, you, any layman could watch football and see the quarterback is struggling and the play calling isn't great. Like, so that's what that's where the blame lies. But in reality, it's everywhere. No, no, it's not. The fact of the matter is if they had good quarterback play or even competent quarterback play, this team would be far better. I don't know how much better. I don't know how many wins with just competent quarterback play, but I know they beat New England. They put themselves in a position to win that game Monday night. I have no doubt about that. And so the coach is continually having the back of this quarterback, which has never made sense to me. We've talked about it. They benched him last year for Mike White. The entire team embraced it, including the head coach, Robert Sala. Now, not to the same level. He wasn't wearing shirts or talking about Mike F. and White, but he hyped him up, and you could tell he felt better about the team. You can just feel it. And so now the question is, as this coach continues to defend him and write him down, and I heard today uh, in the car, I was in the car briefly, and I heard Evan talk about coaching tombstones, and he's 100% right, and I've talked about this. He will forever be known as the coach if, if this season ends up the way it looked like it was at the end of the game Monday. If this season continues to spiral out of control because they have the worst offense in the league next to the New York Giants, of course, if this if this season continues to spiral out of control and you watch this defense do everything they can, and for the most part, this special teams group, I know you can't give up a touchdown, and that's you know we talked about it. you have the you have the format for winning, great defense, great special teams, and hopefully Wilson Garrett that is uh, Garrett Wilson or Brees Hall make a play and you figure out a way to score just enough points. That's how you have to play to win a game, and any deviation from that in the slightest, they can't win. So special teams touchdown, forget about it. Not taking care of the football, fumble in twice, forget about it. Like that's it's that simple. You fumble, you lose. You you give up a big special teams play that leads to a touchdown, whether it is a return or just a long return that leads to a short field, whatever, you lose. Because that's where the quarterback leaves you. The quarterback leaves you with zero margin forever. And so this coach, who if he ends up going down, will go down as the man who never moved off the quarterback and never gave his team a chance, despite trying to do so in previous seasons with Mike White. This year, for whatever reason, I understand the options aren't great in in, in Boyle and in Simeon, but at some point you have to try, and this GM may go down as being the GM that allowed a team with this kind of defense that went out and traded for Aaron Rodgers, that he allowed the the next line of defense from Aaron Rodgers to be a quarterback nobody thought anything of. 
and has been killing the team, that he allowed one injury away from your 38-year-old aging quarterback, allowed this to be the option, may go down on the tombstone of the general manager and the constant praise and defense while the season is burning around them on multiple occasions of this quarterback from the coach may go down as his legacy, attaching himself like this to Zach Wilson. And I never understood it. It never made any sense. And still in his press conference today, continue to double down on that fact. But then we might have seen some sort of window into what's going on here that many people have speculated already, and it's kind of been whispered about. But when asked directly today in a radio interview with Michael Kay on why not try Simeon, why not try Boyle, why continue to go out there and play this quarterback who wasn't worthy enough to play last year, and if Mike White stayed healthy, he would have never played again. Like, why do you continue as this offense continues to struggle when you've brought in other options and you have guys who, you know, know the system a little bit and guys who played in the NFL and at least are worth a try, why do you not try? The coach stammered and had no answer and literally used the term, I plead the fifth. Do you know what the term plead the fifth means? We all do. That was a kind of a rhetorical question, so let me just tell you. Pleading the fifth is when you're worried about incriminating yourself. And if he gives the answer to that question on why they don't go to another quarterback, he's going to incriminate himself to whoever is making him play the quarterback. Like, that's, it's clear as day, that's what's going on here. I don't know if Salah is completely against Zach Wilson. I don't know if he's begging on a daily basis to get rid of Zach Wilson or play someone else. But I do believe, especially, because I know he's a decent football guy, at times during the game, it's it's like it's one thing just to flat out name someone else the starter, fine. But in the middle of these games, you have to be willing for a spark to try something, and yet it never happens. And then you double down on it in every press conference. He's our guy. He's improving. He's so much better than last year. I'd believe in Zach. Blah, 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 blah. Nobody believes in Zach. I've been saying this forever. This is the, the entire team does not believe in Zach. I went, the minute he went down, Rodgers, that is, and everyone was like, hey, this, oh, yeah, of course, Zach's my guy. Zach, Garrett Wilson, Zach's my guy. We believe in Zach. Oh, his presence in the huddle is so much different this year. Blah, blah, blah. It was all lies. They never believed in Zach. Ever. They don't now. This is the same group that clamored and screamed and uh, were begging for Mike White. And then when they got him through a party and wore, wore funny shirts like they're going to Ted's 50th birthday party on a cruise. Happy birthday, Ted. We all got happy. Did you, get, did you bring your happy birthday, Ted shirt? That's how they treated it. The whole team doesn't have faith in him, and yet he's being forced into these games over and over again. And now when the coach is pushed on it, and not just a you know a press conference where he can stand up there, like when he's honestly pushed on it, when good when points are made to him and an, an, a legitimate logical argument is presented to him, he doesn't have an answer. And not only does he not have an answer, he pleads the fifth, which means I can't say that's literally what plead the fifth means i can't say because it will cause me 
more problems than I'm in right now. Someone, whether it be the general manager who drafted him second overall, whether it be the owner, someone is telling Robert Sala to play this quarterback. Like, I don't know how else to take it. If, you know, that's when you can't answer the question. When the answer isn't just, yeah, no, I don't I don't think those players are as good as Zach. I trust Zach. Zach's won us some football games. Did you see the Kansas City game? Like, whatever the nonsense lie or, or you know, deluded thought process he might honestly have, if that were the case, that's what he would say. Instead, yeah, good question. I plead the fifth. And now you're finding out why this quarterback is playing. He's playing because someone from on high is making sure he plays. I don't know who. I know there's some speculation that it's Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I don't know who it is. But what I do know is that he's awful. And that this is a and this is why they went out and got I mean I mean that's puzzling too because like how they went out and got Aaron Rodgers. So someone from on high was okay with not playing him for Aaron Rodgers. And maybe there was some thought process that Aaron Rodgers has a few years. On the other side, you have Zach Wilson, and you get back to Zach. But on some level, whoever's making Zach Wilson play now was okay with Aaron Rodgers playing instead of him, but not okay with Boyle, which, I mean, I guess I understand. It's not the same level. But on, it's not like Zach Wilson or death because they were willing to go out there and trade for a Hall of Fame quarterback. And the worst thing about this, and what makes this more frustrating than even the other disgusting years of the New York Jets is that you know, you watch the games, you see what this defense is and what it's capable of and what this team is capable of and how the general manager and the organization was 100% correct to move heaven and he- heaven and earth to bring in a great quarterback because with Aaron Rodgers, I have no doubt if Aaron Rodgers never got hurt, this team would be right there and battling for the division in fact, probably I think they, I think they'd be considered as good or better than anybody in this division, and they would be a Super Bowl contender because that's how good this defense is. This defense is a Super Bowl caliber defense, and they're being held back by Zach Wilson. And the coach is being held back by someone inside the organization. Eric and Woodbridge, what's up, Eric? You're on the fan. Hey, what's up, man? I'm just going to keep it short with you. Yeah. I just feel like the whole Zach Wilson situation, I just feel like it's like all about politics. I just feel like they're really not going to bench him on how bad he's doing. Yeah, yeah. What, what do you mean? They're not going to – yeah, that's what I'm saying. You think it's politics and that's why they're not going to bench him. I, I just feel like some, someone higher up just yeah. wants him to keep playing. Well, I mean, it, it seems that way, and it's always kind of felt that way a little bit, but the coach continues to go out there and sing his praises, and this was the first time – where you got a answer in an interview where he literally he says, I plead the fifth to the question on why not someone else. The question is as mm-hmm. simple as you have other quarterbacks on the roster. None of them are great. We get that. But you have other quarterbacks on the roster. Why not give it a try? Why is it Zach, 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 Zach? And the answer was, I plead the fifth. It's a good, it's a good question. Uh, I plead the fifth. Now, he'll probably, in, in, in trying to back walk this, you know, walk this back, and backtrack it and, you know, give some sort of answer. He'll say, well, you know, I've, I've answered the question a million different ways. I just meant how else could I answer the question? I think that's probably what he'll say if he's smart. But ultimately, 
we got it. We got a clue into what's going on. Because I refuse to believe, refuse to believe that this coach just will not try anything else. Like, I'm sorry. If they're playing the Raiders this weekend, and now Zach's clearly going to start. If they're playing the Raiders this weekend and they find themselves down 10 nothing at the half or, I don't know, 7-3 to three, and the offense is just inept, there is no excuse not to bring in another quarterback. Like, they have to do something to spark this team. You have to try. I have no idea what Boyle is. I have no idea. I'll be the first to admit it. I have no idea. I don't think Simeon's very good. I get that. But you have to be willing to try something else. You know what's happening now. Maybe the whole team gets a spark, right? Like, nobody knows if Antonio Pierce is any good head coach, but you fire McDaniels because you need a spark. Like, you just need a spark. The Jets have no life, no spark with this kid anymore. None. The team doesn't believe in him. It's obvious. 877-337-6666. McMonagle here with you. Let's take your phone calls on the Jets, Jet fans, because I'm, I'm puzzled. I wonder if you're puzzled. And this season's not dead. You are not the Giants. You are 4-4. Four and four. And you have winnable games. And this Raider game is now the season. There's no doubt about it. This Raider game is now the season. If they lose this game heading into back-to-back games against Buffalo and Miami, they're in big-time trouble. This is a must-win game. And must-win games with quarterbacks who play like Zach Wilson make me very uneasy. And the and the Giants, uh, the Jets need to be willing to be open to a conversation about the quarterback. They just need to be. I don't care who the backup is. I don't care who it is. I'm, I'm willing to play anybody else. And I mean, I, at this point, it's probably too late to start. They're going to start, Zach. But you have to be willing to make the switch mid-game. Your fan base deserves better. Your team deserves better. Your defense deserves better. And it sounds like your head coach deserves better. Your official station to talk Giants. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Listening to the Fuji's earlier. Love the Fuji's. 877-337-6666 takes me back. Today was a uh, a long day. I was up, I didn't, I was with the kids all day. They were off for uh teacher conference day or whatever. So I guess, you know, just and my wife is a teacher, so she had work because she goes in there and I guess she talks to either parents or they have meetings or something. I don't know. Kids weren't in school today. So that's me. Again, back to the scenario of sometimes things need to happen during the day and you just have to do them. And if it means foregoing sleep, it means foregoing sleep. So I was I was uh, up with the, te- uh, with the kids today trying to do everything I could to stop them from fighting. I got a big wood delivery. We were outside stacking wood. And I'm trying to listen to Hal Steinbrenner. And, you know, that's the other thing, too. I'm out of the loop here, man. Like the, I was part of the afternoon drive show, whether it be Mike, whether it be Car- Carton and Roberts, whether it be CMB. I mean, I was with the afternoon program here at the station for forever, so I had access to all these things, man. We had, I had the, I would get emailed the Zoom because I had to listen to it and cut it up and deal with it. 
Like, you know, I just feel like I was sitting, I'm sitting at home going, how do I not have this Zoom? When's the last time I had a Yankee press conference on in the middle of the day and I'm not watching it or listening to it? I got to like wait for clips on the, on social media? What the hell is this? Plug me right into Hal Steinbrenner's office, please. That's how it works. Come on. What am I doing? It's he's talking. And I don't know what's he's what's being said. Unacceptable. So I'm dealing with that. I'm getting frustrated that I can't watch it. I'm stacking wood. I had to take my youngest to the doctor uh, for prep because he's having um, his tonsils removed, his adenoids removed, which is always fun. Oh, I'm, I had it with the older son too. The week that I'm about to get into. Thankfully, I'm here instead of in the middle of the night because that's when it's the worst. But it was a very frustrating day not being able to watch and listen to the Yankees be very frustrated and say absolutely nothing and frustrate me further. I was probably better off. 877-337-6666 and the Jets. Man, oh, man. Now, you want to talk really frustrating? Like, you're in the middle of it. The Giants season's over. And it's it's frustrating to be this bad. And off of last year, I thought they would be better than this. I thought there was a, 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 stop, a chance for a drop-off. I did. Um, a little bit, at least. But at least they've kind of just ripped the Band-Aid off. And now it's about, unfortunately, losing games, which sucks and is miserable and is the worst place you could be as a fan. But only slightly worse is knowing what you're capable of and having one aspect of your team hold you back. And the quarterback is absolutely holding this Jet team back from what it could be. And to know you were just Aaron Rodgers staying healthy. I mean, like, you would be a dominant football team. I firmly believe that. This would be a dominant football team. Sure, there are problems with the play calling. Sure. Sure, the offensive line isn't that great. There's been injuries. It's a little bit of a mismatch. Um, You know, you got Billy Turner playing right tackle. He was awful in the game. You have a bunch of issues. I get it. Aaron Rodgers would make this team so much better, it's not even worth discussing. So much better. They would be a Super Bowl contending team. They would be right up there with the Chiefs and the and the Ravens as the best team in the AFC. I, I I really believe that. And instead, you got to watch this kid fumble and screw it up with a defense that's that good. It's it's the, you're in the middle of watching your team bungle a team that's good enough to win. You have no idea what happens next year. Like, life is fickle, man. And sports are certainly fickle. And year to year, you have no idea. You have no idea what injuries are coming. Hopefully, you know, none. But you have no idea what happens to players. You have no idea. This defense might not be nearly as good next year. Like, you have it right now. And you're squandering it because you had some idea that you could have this long transition from Aaron Rodgers into Zach Wilson and you decide to keep him as your backup or because you didn't go out and trade a sixth round pick for Joshua Dobbs or another quarterback may be available to, to upgrade your position or now still being stubborn to not go through with it and bring in anybody, but him, anybody to try and see what spark could be provided. Instead, you're just laying down and allowing your season to just be freaking washed away. This is the year. This is the season right here, this game against the Raiders. Huge game. And for the Yankees, as they build for this, we can, we, we'll talk about Cashman. Maybe I'll play some of the highlights as we go through the show. But 
It's about building next season. We can have some fun with this, and I think his take was ridiculous, and I think it puts them further onto the hot, hot seat if they don't win. And I think the fan base it despises him now more than ever. And I think he said a bunch of dumb stuff. I think he said a lot of stuff that has merit to it. But he said it in such a tone that nobody wants to hear it. He was a spoiled little kid who didn't want to you know, be told that he was punished. But I don't care. I, don't, I honestly don't care. He's the one shaping the team. Him... And the Yankees, and apparently Aaron Judge, and everyone else who's shaping this team need to go about it and make this team a winner next year. Because that's what the Yankees do. The Yankees don't break it down. The Yankees don't, you know, plan for the future. The Yankees win next year. And they got to figure out how to do it. And Hal better be willing to spend money, and they better be willing to make moves. And maybe we'll get into the moves on the other side, some of the specifics of the offseason that I would like seeing, even though we've talked about it. But... That press conference means nothing to me other than some interesting quotes. It's going to piss off some fans, but ultimately, when we win, no one will care. And when they lose, it'll be a problem. Pat in the Bronx. What's up, Pat? Hey, Chris. Uh, quick compliment. I mean, you run a really good show, and, and you're highly entertaining. <clears throat> and for those who are working nights and stuff or sleepless at night, it's a very entertaining show. Thank you. Right. I appreciate your, your, your competence and your knowledge. But on these five-hour shifts... Do you ever feel burned out after five hours? Burned? You know. I don't know about burned out, talked out sometimes, right. or just, um, but no, not burned out. I feel pretty good. You'd be surprised. I know people do harder things than this for five hours. But yeah, I mean, especially for whatever reason, the last week and a half, two weeks, it feels like, although I feel much better, I haven't completely shaken this little bit of a, a raspy, have to clear my throat every once in a while. So I'm dealing with that. Today I didn't sleep practically at all. So every once in a while you get thrown in, you get thrown a curveball and you have to deal with it. But no, I feel pretty good doing the show. You'd be surprised. The minute I leave this place, sometimes it's like I just want to. I just don't even want to get into my car. I want to crawl into a corner under one of these desks and take a nap. But no, during the show I feel pretty good. I, I know that it's not your ambition, but I'd like to. I'd like to have you on overnights for for the rest of uh, my listening experience. Oh, that's very kind. That's highly very entertaining. Kind. Regarding the Yankees, you know the Yankees can can can't you compare them to the Knicks? Kind of, they're never going to lose fans. They're always going to have celebrity yeah. row at the Knicks game. They're always going to have the segregated legend seats at the Yankees game. Do they really care about the average fan? I'm, I don't want to talk about the Yankees because I'm a Mets fan. Yeah. But do they really care? Um. Yes, they care about giving the fans what they want, and they care about giving their fans an experience and winning. They don't care, and Brian Cashman certainly does not care, about their opinion on how best to give it to them. That, that, I, I, that I completely agree with. Do they care that their fan base, I mean, their, their fan base is what provides them the money. Do they care that their fans want to come to the ballpark? Do they care that their fans have a good experience at the ballpark? Do they care that their fans you know, get the winning they deserve and that they pay for so that they can keep the, the ticket prices what they are and, and all that. Yeah, I, I do. Uh, maybe I'm naive. I think there's many Yankee fans who disagree with me that they don't care. I do. What I don't think they care about, and specifically Brian Cashman, they do not care what you think about the job they're doing, and they don't care about your opinion on how best to do it. As a Mets fan, I, yeah. I, I've been to late season games when the Mets are eliminated. It's a ghost town. Did sure. it ever become a ghost town at Yankee Stadium? I, really? We'll find this year a little bit, but not much. And thank you for the call, man, and, and for the uh, kind words. Uh, but no, I we haven't had an opportunity to see if it's a ghost town. The Yankees have literally played in the Brian Cashman era. They have played like, I think they doubled it this year. 
25, it's something like 25 uh, or slightly under that games where they are mathematically eliminated in, in Brian Cashman's 25 years as GM. It's something crazy like that. And you, if you want to just arbitrarily split it down the middle and say half are road games and half are home games, I mean, you are talking about, you know, two homestands in 26 years where the games haven't meant anything. So I have no idea what the ballpark looks like. Would it become a ghost town? Sure. I, I, I mean, on some level, people would stop going if if the season's over in August. Yeah. And we saw some of that this year, and the numbers were down, and there were some games where it was empty. Not as bad as, uh, you know, sometimes we've seen it at Shea and at City Field, but hopefully that's that. And see, that's the Yankee business model. Like, that's when, when I, I people talk about, oh, it's all about selling chicken buckets and it's this and that. I think it's not all about that, it's about winning. And certainly, if you want to talk about how's a businessman, the business model is to not have to know the answer to that question. The, the answer to that question of what they would do if the team is a loser and dead in August or whatever, and there's no reason to go to the games at the end of the year, what will that place look like? That's the business model. The business model is never finding out the answer to that question. On the bare minimum, you have to be a winning team. He said it today in his press conference. He does not consider a 500 an accomplishment. He considers it a requirement. And I honestly think he believes that postseason is a requirement. Now, if you want to say, well, how can you say that, Chris? He didn't fire anybody, so obviously it's not a requirement. Then you have a point. I understand that. He's not firing people who have given him that requirement for 30 consecutive seasons off of one year where he didn't get it. Like He's willing to trust Brian Cashman and the group that has given him year after year a floor of his requirement. And despite as ugly as this season is, he he doesn't know what the next group does. I think that has a lot to do with it. It's it's easy to just say Brian Cashman needs to go. It's also who are you bringing in, and do I get the same level of competency? Because I know you're mad, and I'm mad, and we all hate him, and he's yelling at us, and we die to Brian Cashman, and this roster sucks, and all that, and it's fair. But for thirty plus years or twenty five plus years, he's given them a a, a sustained winning culture that. And I, I think this has a lot to do with him being angry. When he talks to his peers, they don't understand it. Being out in Oakland do not, does not understand why the Yankee fans are mad at Brian Cashman. He thinks it's a wonder what they've done. Talk to the guy in Seattle. Talk to the different general managers around the sport. They hire, uh, you know, Manaya. They hire a different guy. Ask, ask Manaya if he thinks it's easy to do what the Yankees have done for the last 25 years. Nobody in the game of baseball thinks that, Hal Steinbrenner's money guarantees them the level of success that Brian Cashman has afforded them. Nobody. So when that's part of the reason why he's so pissed off. Because he's like, I go to all these GM meetings, and I'm hailed as the conquering hero that everybody strives to be, and then my own fan base thinks I'm a, I'm, I've been running a dumpster fire. So he's pissed off about it. Now, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. I don't think he's king nor pauper. But right now, when you're dealing with the fan base, I hope for this losing season... You certainly can't act like the king.